Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to Believe in 76ers with your host, former 76ers point guard Eric Snow and two Sixers fanatics in Marcus and Tasia Dash. Believe in 76ers is presented by betonline.ag. We're finally here. The top teams in college basketball have been determined and the final four is set. Looking to wager on these games or the national championship? Head over to betonline.ag on your desktop or mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to get started. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all updated odds and info, along with player props and new contests throughout the year. It's the best source for all your sporting wagering needs, including live betting and everyone's favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's super easy to get started, so join today. Learn why everyone is saying BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on sports. BetOnline, where the game starts. Hey guys, welcome to Believe in 76ers podcast. I'm here with our guys, Eric Snow and Tasia Dash. How you guys doing? Doing good. Good, good. Uh, before we get into it, I know this has been kind of a hot topic on uh, on Twitter and pretty much the entire world. Um, Eric, I want to get your quick thoughts on the whole Will Smith and uh, Chris Rock uh, spat that happened at the Oscars. Just, just want to hear uh, your opinion. I'm curious to hear everyone's opinion on this whole thing. I mean, it's unfortunate to me. I mean, you know, my first reaction was shock. Um, my reaction out of that was, to be honest with you, an, an embarrassment as a black man um, for two people on that stage with that notoriety for that to happen. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, it's it's very interesting that that it happened, and then Will was able to go back to a seat and finish the night. I mean, you think about it, in, in what profession, like the profession that we're talking about, if one of the players or a fan or a coach or somebody did that. Immediately they out. So it's just, you know, it's just different. Like, I don't even, I think it was just so rare, so odd that I don't even think it was like a code or anything. Like, they didn't have security. They didn't have anything. No. Like, it's just bizarre. It's a lot of trust they have. Like, that, like, they just, it goes to show you that they don't see that happening at all. It's like a 1% yeah. chance yeah. that another celebrity of yeah, they probably, they probably put it, get, they probably. They probably see it as far as people before they get in there with all the security, but not once they're in there. And plus, like the the, the regular crowds, whoever got tickets to it at least, are like way further back. You'd see yeah. a guy running a hundred feet to the yeah. stage; he'll get tackled before he even like sniffs a celebrity. It, it, you can't even. I was thinking right when it happened, you know, because we're always thinking basketball. I was like. First off, what would happen to a, this happen in the NBA if a guy saw another guy? He'd be out of the game instantly. And probably, what, like 10, 10 game suspension, you think, if he sort of just slapped the guy on, in the face? It depends on how, you know, there's different rules on the intent, how hard it is. Um, you know, sometimes closed fist is worse than the open fist, open hand, rather. Um, so, you know, that's that's the rules that the NBA have. They have different rules and different fines. It sounded closed hand, though. It didn't have an open hand sound to it. It was like a thud. It wasn't like a, you know what I mean? It was like a yeah. dude. That's why I, was yeah, I, mean, I mean, when you just look at the pictures, you kind of see his hand open. Yeah, um, yeah. It was like a firm, like, firm yeah. open hand. Like he had done it before. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> hey, practice, you know. yeah, you know. So, 
It's unfortunate though, man. I, I I was, you know, after you after the shock wore off, wore off, I was, you know, like I said, I was in, as a black man, I was it was embarrassing to me. Uh, you think it was fake man. at first? That's what, we, that's what we have. Say it again. You think it was fake at first? You know, it was interesting. My, my wife was actually working um, part of the Oscar show, so I was only really watching. I was watching it live because of that. Wow. Um, and I was watching some games, and I actually just turned it back. And Regina, the other host, was kind of doing a skit, and then they said, "Well, next up is Chris Rock." So I was like, "Oh, let me see what Chris got to say." <laughs> so I stayed there, and then that's what happened. Bill, and then you know? it was like I had to like rewind my television. I was like, "Is this real?" But then when they muted it, I'm like, "Oh, that's real." Just yeah. from the fact that they muted it, then you could read Will's lips, and I was like, "Oh yeah, that's real." And I, and you know, the first thing that came to me was like shock. And then it was like they got to have some kind of history for for that to happen. Like it, because you can. You could be mad and call somebody out, but to go up there and do that, like that was. Yeah, history, or you just got a lot of anger that's waiting to come yeah, out. Maybe, maybe backstage. Now, I wouldn't have been shocked to like backstage or at the after party, you heard about them getting into a fight. Like you kind of expect to hear something like that if anything goes down, but not the way it happened. The funny thing is, let's say he did wait and he was like, you know what, I'm going to take this up with him after the show. But he would have won. He would have been swimming on cloud nine after that. He would have been like, you know, he would have been drunk at the after party, happy that he won the award. Who they probably would have just fizzled out, man. But, but you know, like where I'm from, most people that's winning brings upon the brings upon some of the the arrogance for you to feel like, oh, now I'm gonna handle this. Yeah, because it's that's over. true too. Yeah, <laughs> you know yeah. what I'm saying. <laughs> Crazy Oscars, <laughs> crazy stuff, man. But before before the Oscars, now we're going to go to uh, the NBA. I know a lot of uh, sports fans are kind of annoyed at the whole Will Smith thing that's been kind of going to the sports world all, all, all for the last two days. But uh, before the Oscars, uh, the Sixers had um, and played the game against the Suns, lost that by ten. Um, and two days prior, we kind of had a beatdown on uh, the LA Clippers, that winning by uh, 25, uh, 122 to, to ninety seven. But uh, the two games from this past weekend, uh, what, what did you? What were your kind of thoughts on the two games, Eric, from the, the two games this weekend? Well, my first initial thought is that um, the Phoenix Suns are for real. Yeah, <laughs> that's my initial thought. Um, and if we want to go to the NBA Finals and possibly face them, we, we got to play a lot better, and we <laughs> because that team is for real. Yeah. Um, you know, Monty Williams is a good friend of mine. Like every time I watch them, it's like they keep impressing me even more and more. Um, so and I talk to him quite often, but we don't really talk basketball. But I'm just saying, like, the way they're beating teams and the, the consistency that they play with on both ends of the court is pretty impressive. To go and, and beat the Clippers and the way they did it and maintain that lead after blowing one the last time we played them was impressive. I thought we played well and competed and, you know, came off of a game against the Lakers. And um, a lot of times when you go to LA and you play the Lakers first, it's easy for teams to kind of like, you know, you, 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 it is the Clippers and, and they're a professional team. But of course we all know that the Lakers get the most hype in, um, in LA. So it's, it's kind of a, the rush kind of falls off a little bit. I'm glad that they didn't fall. Um, trapped to that <clears throat> but as far as Phoenix um, it was the one thing I, I've seen in Tasia maybe you can correct me 
Um, it was like the Sixers has the most losses this year when they've had a 15-point lead. I think I've seen that stat um, at the bottom. I think it was like six-plus games, six games or something like that, where they've lost. Sounds right. Yeah, they've lost. Um, so it's like when you kind of jumped on Phoenix, we got to get to the point where we keep them down. Um, so that was to me, that was the most disappointing thing. If you're if you got a team like that and you jump on them and you got them down, like, and it wasn't that they came back, it was how quick they came back. It was like if you didn't watch the game and you were just flipping back and forth, you would have never knew we had a big lead. Yeah. Well, we lose them quickly and they they wipe them away quickly. So that's a recipe for disaster with us and them. So that, that yeah. was you know, that that from from that standpoint, I mean, I know guys have made some quotes and different things like that. But initially, um, when you play in a team like that, you jump on like you got to keep them down. You got to find a way um, to keep teams down sort of like the way Brooklyn did us. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you like that if, you, if you're able to get up big on the team. Um, kind of uh, uh, just sticking with the, the Suns game. Um, and I know this is a topic that we had last week that MB said he wanted Harden to be more aggressive. And you had commented saying that aggression doesn't always mean taking more shots and all that stuff. But after the uh, the loss against the Suns on uh, Sunday, uh, Harden mentioned that he needed to be more aggressive. And he said, I only took 11 shots tonight. I need to be much more aggressive than that. Um, d- did you see kind of a lack of aggression in his game on Sunday, Eric? Um, yeah, but I don't – I mean, he has the ball so much. I just think he need, if he wants to take more shots, do it without having the basketball the whole time. Um, let Maxie and some other guys bring it up and play from behind the defense. You know, what I'm, you know what I'm saying as far as playing behind the defense? But if you're playing in front of the defense, up top, everybody can key on you every time, every play. So the more they can have some chances where he's playing behind the defense, that's why I always – and I keep saying it, having another primary ball handler – so how many times will, does he get a catch and shoot? He should be getting catch and shoots with with Joel, you know, the number one MVP candidate. He should get some catch and shoots. He should have some plays where he's just catching the ball, boom, quick rip and go. But he's not doing that because he has the ball out front every time. Now it's like a struggle to get a shot. He has to work so hard to get one shot. That's why he's only taking 11 or 12. It's no clean looks. It's no – Catch and go. It's no catch and shoot. So you got to find ways for that to happen. And, and the first thing I can think of is playing behind the defense where they don't know where you are until you catch it. By that time, you can rip and go into your move. Yeah. I think it's weird because I think he, it's almost like he's gotten used to the old Houston way where he is like the end all be all on offense where he has to create everything from scratch or else they do nothing that that drive. And then he went to Brooklyn where Kyrie and and uh, Duran are so like just dominant one-on-one scores. I'll take you down to the hoop. But he had to kind of become the glue distributor between them as well. So he comes here where it's like, we don't even need you to do that all the time. You don't have to be the only guy distributing. You don't have to be the only guy creating everything. We have a guy that demands double and triple teams. Just take an open jumper if it's there. He does pass up a lot of catch and shoot. So I notice when he catches it, he just goes into the whole dribble thing all of a sudden. You're like, dude, just take that shot. Like, just take it. But it, you, you, that will happen if you never played that way. Yeah. 
So yeah. he's never played that way. So so for him, uh, a lot of times when he's when he's wide open catch and shoot, like he he may only catch and shoot when he's extremely wide open. Whereas most guys are used to catching and people running them off their shot. And they still they know they still got to take that shot. Yep. So um, but you can do that when you're a volume player. You, you know you have the ball a lot. You can you can pass up shots and you can do those things. Um, but Tobias can't because he never really knows when that next shot is going to come. Yeah. So I just, I just, I just feel, especially the way Maxie's playing, and especially the fact that he was the primary ball handler before James showed up, that allowing him to, um, you know, bring the ball, initiate a little bit more, even when James is on the court, I think will free him up. One to take a break. Um, two to to be more aggressive, playing you know, behind the defense and not being out front where they can throw switches or traps and make it tougher for you. Um, and I just think that that'll kind of get him to the fourth quarter, getting to the end of the fourth quarter. Now he can make those plays. Most likely will be in the bonus. He can get to the free throw line and it's a different threat and different threat for him and a different threat for us. If we're in the bonus and teams are now all of a sudden hesitant, more hesitant to trap and, or leave guys wide open because it's game time and it's the end of the game. I just think we got to get him to that point where he's fresher at the end of the game. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, and then if you look at the um, – so shifting to the, the Friday, um, uh, obviously most Sixer fans know about the whole Tyrone Lue comment about uh, – in, in in ramp up to that Sixers-Clippers game, Tyrone Lue made a comment about uh, the free throws uh, attempts that Harden and Embiid get – Saying if those guys didn't get free throws, the amount of free throws they do get, they would be they would be top ten scorers in the league. Um, so Daryl Morey, um, the Sixers president, uh, went on uh, Twitter and said if the Clippers uh, didn't get free throws, they'd be the thirtieth scoring team in the NBA. Uh, just kind of making a joke of what Tyrone Lue said. Um, and then Tyrone Lue then fired back, uh, I believe, yesterday, saying that uh, Daryl Morey shouldn't be talking. He cost the NBA about a million a billion dollars in his tweets about China. Um, so it's kind of that back and forth there. But what, what was your comment, um, uh, Eric, on the whole uh, on the whole free throws uh, comments about uh, Harden and Embiid? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I, I understand what T. Lou is saying. Now, I don't agree with him as far as they still wouldn't be top scorers. I mean, I don't think that's you know accurate. Um, those guys were still talented enough, and they would still be top scorers in our league. Um, but, you know, the, the free throw, you know, he's he just trying to work the referees. He's trying to work the system. You know what yeah. I'm saying? That's, that's all it came down to. He's just trying to work the referees and trying to put everybody on notice that, hey, these guys are getting calls. You know, what about us? Or not, a, you know, not when they play against us. I, I think it was – I don't think it was any more than that. You know, it's funny. It's also – it's you're totally right, Lou. I mean, but if I take free throws away from – any of the top 20 guys are not going to be top scorers anymore. Like, name me one guy who can take his free throws away from him and he'll be a top five scorer. I mean, that's not – if you can do that, it means he's not driving and getting contact enough. So, yeah, I mean, but we are getting a lot of free throws, though. I, I was looking into the numbers on that. So, since All-Star break, uh, so when, when Harden started playing, um, we're averaging 84% on almost 30 attempts a game. Uh, we'd rank second in attempts, only behind the Knicks, which I was – Really shocked to see that, by the way. Uh, 29.6. They rank a little. I think they have like 29.9. And we're number one at 84%. So we're shooting a lot and we're making a lot, which is amazing. It's like, you know, reminds me of, uh, you know, the other team, uh, you know, that's in the tournament, Villanova. 
Um, so yeah, it, it looks really good. I, I love that. And um, as far as other uh, guys, I, I love seeing Danny Green wake up. By the way, I wanted to give him a shout out because he's been playing really well. Um, he's hit two, uh, at least two threes and three out of his last four games. I remember I was saying a couple of weeks ago, man, just give me two threes a game, Danny. That's all just decent defense and two threes. And then Matisse has been playing really well. I think uh, since all-star break, he's got six double-digit scoring games. And the whole rest of the season before that, he only had five. So he's definitely benefiting from from Harden's play. It's been it's been nice to watch. It's good. And, and Eric mentioned, you know, when we talked about Furcon's struggles a couple weeks back, you know, you got to give him, got to give a guy like that more shots. You know, that will come. And Danny Green's a, 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 another furcon like guy who can who can stroke it. So, you know, the shot the shot comes. You know, it's a good time shot. to come on too, right? Like this is a good time to come on in the season. I'd rather have guys struggle earlier on and look good now. And speaking of struggling, I looked at Niang too. I mean, Niang has gone over for three in the last two games. Um, that's two straight games out of three pointer. He had gone 31 straight games before that with the May three in each game and 21 of those had multiple threes. So he's only gone a three less in three other games all season, which is nuts. So technically this is his worst stretch of the season. So that won't last very long. He'll break out. You always average out. (laughs) I think that's part of the reason we lost sons. Uh, We didn't, he, he took one three in that game. Your 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 volume best three point shooter cannot take one three in a game. I'm I'm sorry. I I said it during the game. I was like, yeah. I mean, that's the thing about it. Like they they um they scouted well. I mean, they they closed out. They 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 shut down those lanes and and they played a three really well. I mean, that's that's how they cut leads and that's how they were able to change the game. I mean, they took Sons away those. Good, you said it earlier. Sons are good. They're so efficient. And they're so like it's like watching them is it's like playing like the highest level in 2K or a video game. They'll just keep going all game like that. They'll keep going and keep chipping away at you all game. And you got to play near perfect from start to finish uh, or else you're going to lose. Yeah. Yeah. They're very, so good. Yeah. Very efficient basketball, like an old school Spurs bowl. It is, yeah. Yeah. Feels that way. And that was without uh, what's his name? Cam Johnson, by the way. So yeah. they're missing their. Thirty minute point, uh, thirty minute a game guy on their team. They're very so. deep. <laughs> um, all right, so uh, next topic. Um, this is something that Sixers fans have been kind of talking about for uh, a little while now. Um, even before DeAndre Jordan came, um, Sixers fans were talking about getting our young guys, uh, Paul Reed and Charles Bassey, some more playing time. And they didn't even want us to sign DeAndre Jordan. They wanted Paul Millsap, and they wanted to give these guys some reps. Um, but now that we've signed DeAndre Jordan, obviously he's been getting the, the, the backup five reps. Um, but someone pointed this stat out, and take it for take, take it for what it is. But um, over the last four games, uh, DeAndre Jordan has 17 points, one steal, one block, over 64 minutes played. And Paul Reed has eight points, three steals, and one block in six minutes played. Um, so this is something that... Uh, this has been going viral in the Sixers community. People have just been retweeting the heck out of this tweet. Um, but, uh, Eric, what do you think about those stats, A? And then, B, what do you think about get, kind of giving the younger guys uh, a shot here as we ramp in, roll into the playoffs? I mean, stats um, this, stats are tough because when you look at, you know, especially with reserves, um, their minutes aren't alike. Their minutes aren't the same. So, so to compare them in, in their, you know, if DeAndre's playing his minutes versus, you know, Jokic, <laughs> I'm just even for example, and, and Reed's playing against his against a, a reserve, 
it's, they're they're not the same. So I, I just it's tough. You got to be careful when you look at that um, because they're they're not playing the same minutes versus the same guys. Um, but I do believe that you know I, I think that if you're going to play those guys in the playoffs, um, it's important to give them some some form of reps um, because I don't I don't I think the playoffs is like we we talked about that rotation, but I think it's going to be um, who they're playing. I mean, if you're playing a team that aren't really playing big and they're playing, you know, they're trying to spread the court and they're playing shooters, um, you, you got to be, you got to really, you know, try to think about whether DeAndre is going to be the guy. So um, I, I just think right now, the, the way that Doc is playing them, I just think he's committed to sticking with him. And if not, then you go to Millsap and, and he's going to roll with that with the playoffs. And if not, you know, play Niang or, or Joel's minutes is going to go up and play maybe Niang get some four or five. And I just don't, I just don't see it. I just don't think that he'll, he'll play those guys in the playoffs. So I don't think he's, I don't think so either to, to play them now um, unless they're just kind of resting guys. Yeah. So I was one of the people who actually liked the Jordan pickup. A lot of people didn't. I was like, Hey, maybe the, he'll play well at the other Laker cast offs. And play his best ball here. I unfortunately he hasn't been. I think the stat I read today was that uh, I think Austin Krell uh, had the stat. Uh, teams are shooting seventy three point six around the rim when Jordan's on the floor. Uh, 76, 73.6 percent when when Jordan, which is I'm like wow. Um, and then I, I looked up and saw that he he's actually averaging more turnovers a game than he is blocks and steals combined, uh, which is also pretty brutal too. But I I. I I think the dream of Bassey and Reed, you'd see it. You're right. You'd see it now. You'd see signs that he's going to do it. He's not going to go from not giving them minutes to playing them minutes playoff in the minutes. playoffs. He, he didn't even give Maxie that many minutes in the playoffs last year. I think Maxie had like 13 minutes a game in the playoffs. So, And that was someone who showed a lot of flashes. I don't think he's going to go and play Reed or Bassey, DeAndre Jordan minutes. The best we could hope for is, yeah, small ball. And playing Millsap, but I don't think fans want to hear that either. But I actually wouldn't mind that. I think Millsap can be okay against the smaller lineups. I'd rather have him in there because he can run out and close out, you know, like stretch fives. Um, he can still play tough underneath, and he's fresh. I mean, he's, you know, he's got legs. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's a shame, but we're probably looking at next year for maybe Bassie or Reed to get more of those backup five, backup big minutes. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, and plus with the um, – the, the, going into next year with with, the, with our cap situation, kind of the question marks there. We might have to rely on some of these young guys next year and Millsap, yeah. Mil, and Millsap, uh, not Millsap, uh, Paul Reed or Bass, you know, we didn't know who, who Claxton was in Brooklyn, but with those big, big money guys going there, we had to hear about uh, Claxton. He became a, a, a big guy for them. And so Paul Reed or Bass, he could be the Claxton for us uh, going forward. And now look, Claxton's playing more minutes than all the guys they signed in the off season, right? Yeah. He's playing more than, you know, Blake can't even see the floor anymore on that team. Yeah. <laughs> um. Tons of people take multivitamins, but it's important to choose one that is top quality. With one delicious scoop of athletic greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to start your day right. Their special blend of ingredients supports gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, energy, recovery, focus, and aging. It's also lifestyle-friendly and fits a wide range of diets. There's only one gram of sugar and no chemicals or artificial anything. 
Reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash believe. That's B-L-E-A-V. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash believe. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Athletic Greens, take ownership of your health. All right, so um, all right, so our final topic is the uh, game predictions for tonight. A uh, big one, a lot at stake here tonight. Um, so we're playing the Milwaukee Bucks. We're tied for second place with the Bucks. So this is a big deal for this game right here. This is this is for second place. Um, so we'll see where that goes. See, the season series right now is 1-1. Um, so the winner of this game gets the series. Um, so uh, right now, Sixers, it started off as Sixers were a two-point favorite at home against the Bucs. Uh, last I looked about 30 minutes ago, we were a one-and-a-half-point favorite uh, against the Bucs. Um, so who do you guys have and why in this one? Um, you know, I have, you know, I have the Sixers winning. Um, seems like I always say that. <laughs> <laughs> But um, in this particular game, I think that it's a it's probably the biggest game we've had since maybe the Brooklyn game. And I think the way that we performed in that game, we, we can't come out and be even anything close to duplicating that. So I think you got to get to the point where now this is a top team, defending champion, tiebreaker. Um, who could get it could come down to who could get home court advantage in the playoffs. Um, so I think it's a really, really big game. And I think that we gotta come out and the the importance and the level of intensity has to be so much higher than we had before. And it gotta mean a lot more to us. Um, because I don't think Milwaukee fears us. I don't think that they think that um, you know, that I think they're very confident they can beat us, even with the changes. Um you know, I know for a fact that Drew Holiday feel is, is, is comfortable guarding James. And I think that Giannis doesn't fear anybody. So I don't think that they really fear us. So you got to put some kind of a dent in that confidence. Um, and that has to happen tonight. Yeah, I, look, I looked into two things. I looked into how the Bucks are defensively inside. So overall defensive rating, they're 13th. Uh, but they are fourth and best in allowing points in the paint, so, and they have Lopez back. So I am curious to see how, you know, uh, MB does against them in the paint, but he does average 28 and 11 against them. And I think you'll have a little extra juice because of that uh, recent MVP poll, but we'll get to that, I think, later on in the week. Um, the other thing I looked at was uh, Harden stats against Drew. So not directly when he's guarding him, but against Drew's team since 2017 and 18. Averaging overall 26 points per game on 41% shooting and 32 from three, but including the playoffs and this year, so just the last two years, averaging 19 points a game on 38% and 12 for 44 from three, which is 27%. So Drew, man, I mean, he he knows how to D up, and I think he likes guarding hard, and I think he likes D up on him. So he's an awesome. James, James is an easier matchup. I mean, then, I mean, you may think that James and Trey Young, a guy like Trey Young is harder for Drew because James seeks contact, whereas Trey Young doesn't. So I think the more the guy kind of seeks contact, you know, Drew Holiday, sort of like, you know, that's sort of how I play defense. The guys that kind of seek the contact, you know, makes it a little, not easy, but easier um, to defend versus a guy that's very elusive and don't let you touch him. And when you do touch him, 
Um, you know, he acts like, you know, he's got hit with a stick. So, um, Drew's physical. I, so once you initiate yeah, so, that physicality, he can yeah, then engage and be physical yeah, with because, you because he can, he can hold up the strength and then he's long arms. He, he's getting, you know, very active, good feet, plays the angles really well. Crazy. So that's a tough matchup for James. Yeah. Um, so, and I think, and that's also a matchup where, um, Milwaukee probably don't feel like they need to help as much. So if that's the case, then now all of a sudden they're putting more of that emphasis on Joel. So it's it's even bigger that you know Joel has success and James takes advantage of that be getting switches or um, you know taking open looks and then other people got to you know this 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 series right here. I honestly think may come down to. Um, you know, Tobias being able to maintain a level of play that maybe match what Chris Middleton does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, um, I, I agree. And Niang, too. Niang, last time we played them at, was 6-12 for 12 from uh, 3. So, uh, hopefully he's... Yeah, I mean, that's the thing about, like, with, with, with a guy like Niang, like, he had a big games, but you can't always depend on that because no, we, we, no. Don't even know how, we don't even know how Doc's going to play him. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's no, we we don't know. I mean, he's still a reserve, so his minutes could drop. I, I also I, I do really think it's a big game for Harden's psyche of going against Drew and possibly in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So if Drew dominates him tonight, it's like, oh man, I, I, I'm I'm not scared about playing you in a series. I'm not like so. I'm, I'm I'm telling you right now, Milwaukee does not fear fear us at all. I'm, I'm I know that for a fact. They're the champs. They shouldn't have to, but I, I think we win. I think we win a close one. I think it's one of those where uh, we're hitting free throws late. They're fouling us, and we get to about like a five point six, five six point victory. I think. Yeah, I think it's a big game, kind of what you said, uh, but both you guys. But uh, as far as the MVP, uh, the MVP odds, uh, where that goes after that straw poll I saw earlier, they're kind of you know, obviously if it's closer than we, than we think. I thought Embiid had this thing, you know, pretty. You know, pr- pretty good. But now after seeing that straw pull, I think that MB kind of has to have that one seed to give him that extra that that the extra kind of leverage. If the Nuggets are a five or a six seed, you know, he's gonna have to have that one seed. And I think every game here on out, I think we're gonna we're gonna yeah. we're gonna try and play for the MVP is gonna be a lot closer than we you think. Yeah, you got 34, 35 third place votes. Third place, third. Yeah. It's it's um because you gotta look at it from a standpoint of there's some people out there that say Giannis is playing so well, and if he hadn't won MVPs, then his push would be more. Mm-hmm. So the fact that he's won those MVPs, people don't think the push is there. The same thing that's kind of hit Jokic this year. The fact that he won the MVP, now all of a sudden people are saying, uh, it's kind of a – you're kind of thinking less of it, of the year that he's having. But those guys were having tremendous years. Um, you know, and then they're all lucky that LeBron's team isn't – as good because he would be in the conversation. Yeah, he would. Yeah, yeah, he would. With um, all the injuries they had, if they were like a four really? or five seed, he'd be he'd be in the running for for sure. And, and now you're getting this late push from you know from Devin Booker and Phoenix and Phoenix. You know the the you know, right, now, right now. I think aren't they the only team that has a, a their their seed locked? I, I so. believe so. Yeah. Yep. You know, with pretty crazy. Seven, yeah, he deserves a lot of credit. They're the only team. So that's impressive. I'm like you know, they, you know, they used to reward teams and players that played on winning teams, um, you know, top seeds. But 
I, I just think it's going to be a lot closer, um, the vote, because it's for, for a lot of people that kind of like Joel, I, I, it's a lot of people that like Giannis and, and, and Jokic, and that's how you, that's how you, you know, you come up with so many third place votes. That's why. Yeah. And it's, it's not like it's a public vote. It's not like people get on stage and kind of make their vote and they got to, you know, stand up to it. Yeah. All these private votes, it's different. You know, you could have someone that just don't like them, no, no matter how you play. So it's that MVP vote is it's going to be interesting. I, I don't think it's a lot at all. No. Yeah. I mean, the third place, I couldn't. I was shocked seeing that. I mean, I'm not that shocked because yeah, Giannis has a lot of love, but I mean, man, what's 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 NBA got to do? <laughs> I mean, I just don't know. If we if he's first and he doesn't get it, if we get first and he doesn't get it, that that's bad. I think. What if Milwaukee gets first? Yeah, yeah, it's a tough argument. It's a tough argument. Regardless, more motivation for tonight's game. <laughs> yeah, that's why we got to beat him. <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> But all right, fellas, that does it for us. Thanks for tuning to Believe in 76ers podcast presented by Bet Online. We'll see you guys next, or we'll see you guys on Friday as we uh, recap this game and uh, preview the uh, the games ahead. So we'll see you guys next time. All right, guys. See you guys. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.